0: All right, let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and we just ask that you would continue to do a work in each and every one of us, a personal work, Father. Open our eyes and our ears, Lord. Even though we may be what we think to be deep in our Christian walk, Lord, we will never arrive until we get home. I just ask that you continue to just reveal yourself to each and every one of us in that special place and where you have given us each a different measure of faith lord that that we we may have revelation in that place in our walk lord that we may see the things that you would have us to see and learn and understand and grow in our faith in you lord i just pray for these that are on our prayer list and ask that you would continue to pour out your mercy on on them and those around them lord That they may be a a living testimony that what faith in Christ will do. Lord, I just pray that you'd anoint this service and let it bring honor and glory unto you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 3. And we will not get all the way through Philippians chapter 3. But this morning we're going to continue our walk through Philippians, and and Paul's letter to the people at Philippi, and we're going to talk about things. We're on this 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 journey of identifying how we can continue to see joy in the way that we're in the circumstances and in the world that we live in, and being a Christian, and. This morning we're going to be in, again, Philippians chapter 3, and we'll go through mainly what I want to dissect this morning through is about verse 11, okay, and then we'll come back next week, and and uh, so you mothers, you're not going to have a Mother's Day sermon. We're going to continue in Philippians, but anyway, that'll be fine, won't it? All right. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh... If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were to gain to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I have attained to the resurrection from the dead. Now, there's a lot of meat right there. And I, I I want to start by... Now, you girls are going to have to... I did this different today. So this may be a flop. And it'll be okay. Because but you're gonna have to try to keep up with me because I don't know what mine's not gonna look like, y'all. Okay. If it's a mess, it's just a mess, and we'll just go on. Alright. So <clears throat> first I want to point out that for chapter three, okay? For chapter three, uh verse one through eleven. Paul's past is what he's focused on, okay? He says, I count. The key word in this is I count, okay? Verses 12 through 16 is is the present, okay? He's he's talking about the present things, and he says, I press. That is the key word, okay? And then in 17 through 21, it's going to be about the future. As an alien in Christ Jesus in this world, okay, and he says, I look. Okay, that's the key word. I look, I focus forward. Okay, but this morning I want to talk through, through uh just b- about one through eleven. Okay. And it's as a believer, and we've talked about this before, we 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 have absolutely reminded ourselves before that, you know, our, as a believer, our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. And once we've become redeemed and saved through, through faith in Jesus, then w- do we really only notice that we're a fish out of water. Amen? And in the beginning, we don't... It takes a while for us to really recognize that. Or it did me. It may not have you. But we, our citizenship is in heaven. Once, once we have become saved, it's not here. It's not here. In fact... In in his little book, Wiersbe points out, he says, actually, the believers of God are a colony of heaven on earth. I've never thought of it like that. They're a colony of heaven on earth. Now, we're not perfected like we will be once we get there. But it made so much sense. We're actually, once we've been transformed, we're not the same. And nothing about living here apart from Jesus, feels good. The only way we can find joy being that colony or that fish out of water is is to draw nearer to Him. Because that's where our family's at. That's where we belong at that point. Amen? So, this morning we're going to focus on things, things that, that take away our joy. Now, there are different kinds of things. I just want you to know there's tangible and intangible things. And, and both of those things we can get hung up in. And it's so easy for this natural flesh to, to gravitate toward things. We all do it in some form or another. And if we're not careful... We get consumed and, and and focus completely on those things, whether tangible or intangible. What are tangible things? What are tangible things? Money. Houses. Cars. Things. Things that you can put your hands on. Intangible things. These are some of the worst. You would think... You, you, you would think that they're all bad, but... What's intangible? Titles? Reputation? Fame? <laughs> Status? Don't we all like to, every once in a while, throw our chest up and say, I am so and so and so and so? How about this? When you were a kid... What did mom and, and daddy tell you about your name? Don't, don't you shame our name. Didn't we? We all did it. And that's, there's nothing wrong. That's actually honorable. But it still can be, have, there could be a wrong attitude in that. Okay? But but we get consumed, and and it's it's natural because we're fallen nature. We get consumed with things of this world. Why? Because it's the things we can see. It's the it's it's the things that are close more closely around us. And and we all were were put here with this natural instinct to go get and, and achieve things, weren't we? You can be whatever you want to be, whatever you set your mind to. So we condition our kids that, that all of those wants and wishes of the flesh are okay. You say, well, that's controversial. It can be controversial unless you look at it from heaven's point of view. The, 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 the things are not bad in and of themselves. At all. It's the attitudes in which we look at those things. God made things. Did He not? Sure He did. And in Genesis He said, He he looked at them and, and they were all good. Anything God made was good. It's our attitude toward those things that gets us messed up. He says there then God saw everything that he made and it was indeed good. That's everything. That's not just a few things. So then the things in them of themselves is not the problem. You see, it's it's our attitude towards them. <clears throat> the Bible declares that that those are good. He, he knows that we need certain things to to He created us to need certain things. Each and every one of us has something different that we like. Something different that motivates us. Something different that that stirs us up and gets us out of bed in the morning and gets our feet moving that draws us. God created us that way. He created us that way. He created those things inside of us that, that... that get our feet moving. That get our mind working. That, and, and he uses those things in the right way. Along with his plan. To glorify him. If we have the right attitude toward those things. I t- I've told y'all time and time again. I, I, hey. I, I like things. I have to be careful. I like them. I, more than any of y'all out here. I'm, let me tell you something. I, if I there's a reason why God didn't allow me to be rich, because I have a problem with things. I know I do. And I'm thankful for my wife because there's times oh, I did it yesterday. I did it yesterday. I walked through the house and I said, "Hey, they got a new so-and-so down at the so-and-so." She just kept washing dishes. I'm thankful for that. Because had she said the right word, you know where Scott would have gone yesterday afternoon? And bought something. He didn't have no business with it. I like things. I know I like things. And I have to be very careful that my attitude toward things doesn't get in the way of my attitude toward God. And my attitude toward my call. Because it, it very easily can. Whether tangible or intangible. Used to? Boy, well, I want to be, I want to have this title. I had high aspirations of having such and such title. Today, I don't need a title. I don't want a title. But but that's the work that God has done inside of me. To To show me how to have the right attitude toward things. My attitude right now, or our attitude, should only be that you want what God wants for you so that we might glorify Him. In first Timothy six seventeen he said, He giveth us richly all things to enjoy. It's okay for us to enjoy things. It's the perspective in which we look at those things that becomes the problem. I'll give you a good example. Right down here about 20 miles away, there is a, there is a, uh, about, I don't know, I'm guessing, several thousand acres where people take these four-wheelers and All these different bikes and things. And they go and they spend all weekend. All weekend. Tearing up these $30,000 things so they can go home and fix it and go back next weekend. They work and spend everything they earn on these things, building them up, making them this, making them that for the next weekend. There's a problem with those things. Instead of being at the mud park on Sunday, you need to be in church. Instead of glorifying the four-wheeler on Sunday, you need to be glorifying God. I'm sure they're not down there testifying about Him. But you see, this world is consumed with achieving and getting their hands on things. The things that don't get you to heaven. The things that don't glorify God. That's where the issues come. That's where the problem comes in. Is our, added, our outlook, our focus, our, our attitude toward the things. He warns us that our lives do not consist in the abundance of things that we possess. In Luke twelve fifteen, he warns us. He tells us that the abundance of our life comes from the things from the heavenly Father. the the riches of His glory, the attribute the attributes that that He bestows on us by being His children. Philippians three one again the the main word there is to count, so he's looking at his past and and what you have to know is is paul Paul here was what he's telling them is he was like, "I was all of those you know there was a fight going on over the Jews and the Gentiles okay and and the the Judaizers. We're, we're, we had a major issue about people becoming Christians without being Jews first. And Paul is telling them here, he's like, all of that is rubbish. He says, if you, if you read this, he says, I was all of that. He said, I'm an example of all of that, and it got me Nothing. When he says, I count, what he's saying is to evaluate, to assess his past. We too should count in our lives. We should constantly evaluate and assess those things in which we've, we've grown through. Why? Why? You say, I thought once we repented, our sins were as far from the east as from where they are. But it don't mean be a dummy and do it again. You shouldn't dwell on it. You shouldn't have any guilt toward it. But you should constantly, as we go through our life, count or evaluate our walk. Assess our walk with Christ. And that's what he's saying there. But... And when he's talking about it, he, he's telling these people at Philippi, he says, he's like, listen, you see, Philippi was a colony of Rome. It was like Rome away from Rome. Okay? And, and, and he's, he's trying to tell them, listen, don't, don't listen to those people. He said, all you have to have is faith in Jesus Christ. All of that law, he said, I'm an example of that. And it got me nowhere. And then one day he has an encounter. An encounter with Christ. Mm. Didn't matter what that past. Past didn't give him nothing, did it? But he says here to count. To evaluate. To examine. The unexamined life is not worth living. Says Socrates. Think about that for a minute. I don't really think that much of Socrates, but the unexamined life is not worth living. It's so important that we examine our life. It's so important that we we lay down how we're living against the principles in the Bible as a measure of how we're doing. Many people today are a slave of these things that we're talking about, aren't they? Sure they are. Few of them count or sit down and seriously examine the values that control the decisions that they make and the things that they do. As a child of God, we can't be those people and glorify Him. It is so important that in our daily walk, we count. We assess. We evaluate. Not Mothers and daddies, not just you, but your children. It's real easy to Especially at the stage that Felicia and I are in, our kids are—I mean, they're pretty self-sufficient. Lots of your your, your, yours are. It's real easy to kind of let them go, do their own thing. See, mine still live under my house, so I still have to evaluate how they're living. I have to count and assess the choices that they're making. And at times I have to intervene and help them make good decisions. Some people tell me that never goes away. I don't know. That's okay. It's okay because that's what God called me to be is their daddy. He called me to be a positive influence in their life. He called me to be a positive influence in your life. He has set me in a position of authority over both of those. And if I'm going to honor Him and glorify Him in the role that He's given me, I better do those things. Slave to things. Don't be a slave to things. The result of that is is you don't experience real Christianity think about that for a minute if you're a slave to things how can you experience real Christianity how can you get any joy you can't you're always chasing things you know I was thinking about this week Israel in the wilderness after after what we read the other night Sandy brought something Wednesday night that we we read how simple they were in the wilderness I mean they're just walking in the wilderness got whatever they could carry I'm assuming no baggage so to speak and they still still had the wrong attitude what does that tell us? You know, how many times you heard people say, well, these days, it, back then it wasn't near yutta, 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 yet yutta. Let me tell you something human nature is human nature. Human nature is human nature. The fall is the fall, flesh is the flesh. The same attitudes that plagued them plague us. The same problems that plague them plague us. So, quit fooling yourselves to think if you'd have lived back such and such, you'd have made any better decisions. Because we wouldn't have. The things that they were enslaved to back then were just different things. The law. They were so consumed with the law, weren't they? Wouldn't that qualify? Good. Whatever the case may be. But if you're enslaved to things, you can't experience the blessings of true Christianity. That fellowship with Christ that glorifies Him. Paul's case, the things that he was living for before he knew Christ seemed a very to be very commendable didn't ours a righteous life obedient to the law the defense of his religion the religion of his fathers. but none of these satisfied him or gave him acceptance with God like most religious people today Paul enjoyed uh, Paul had enough morality to keep him out of trouble but he did not have enough righteousness to get him into heaven it was not the bad things that kept paul away from jesus it was the good things think about that for a minute it wasn't the bad things that kept him away i mean he thought he, he thought he was doing the right thing being you know true to his the, the religion and in the religious uh what do you call it anyway of the time there you go he was defending that for he what he thought was a good cause but it it, it was no merit for god He had to lose just like we had to lose his religion to get saved. Think about it. Is that true for you? Before, Before you got saved you thought going to church was good enough. You thought going to Sunday school was good enough. You thought praying was good enough. All those things that you did line up exactly with the way Paul did but they meant nothing they mean nothing apart from faith in Jesus he was trying to produce good works just like you and I were trying to produce good works from a fruitless tree amen But then Saul of Tarsus, the rabbi, met Jesus Christ. I love that story. He met Jesus Christ, the Son of God, just like Scott Cotton met him, except he got to meet him in person. I met him personally too. It wasn't it personal? He met him. And in the blink of an eye and with a mustard seed of faith he was transformed from a killer from a wretched person. No more wretched than me. Say, so how do you say that? He, he. Attitudes were the same. Attitudes were the same. But see he met Jesus on that road. Just like you met Him somewhere, and I met Him somewhere. And He was transformed. And the moment He was transformed, He got Heaven's perspective of things. He got a point of view toward the things of this world that I don't know about you, but for me turn my stomach. If you hadn't heard that story, you can read it there in Acts 9. But when he opened his his book of his life to evaluate himself, his wealth, all the things that he had, he discovered that apart from Christ, everything he lived for was for nothing. Isn't that where me and you were at? Didn't we have to come to that place and realize that the only way out was through Jesus? That all this stuff that we tried to accumulate and do, these things, gained us no satisfaction. They couldn't satisfy the need that we had. Where I had to come to. That, that a title couldn't, didn't satisfy me. Money didn't satisfy me. But the only thing that could satisfy the need I had was Jesus. At that point, At that point, you got a glimpse. I got a glimpse of the things of this world from a heaven's point of view. Meaning that all of it is for nothing. Yes, we have to exist here for a little while. We have to walk and tread here for a little while. But don't get caught up or consumed with the things that are here because in just a moment we're going to be gone. In just a moment, we're going to be gone. I was thinking about this week, Jacey. She's, she's graduating, and I thought, Dad gum. And I'm ready for that. But, I, I mean, how time has flown. And, and I thought, you know, I'll blink, and I'll be staring at death's door. if he doesn't take me before that. But we take for granted the time we waste in this life. Now, I don't, I don't mean I've wasted any time with J.C., but just just how time flies... and how, how quick it's gone. And when you really stop and count and reflect and evaluate how much time we've misused in this old life up until the point that we're at, it, it'll drive you to your knees in repentance. Or it wouldn't me. Here in Philippians, in verse 3 through 1, he talks about works righteousness. He talks about works righteousness and, and how before he, he was transformed, all he's, he's considered all those things that he did as works. The same thing that I alluded to a while ago for you and I before we got saved about you know, showing up and going to Sunday school and doing the thing. All, all that was for nothing gained us nothing didn't glorify God and then he goes on to say that the only thing that matters is faith righteousness the only thing that can produce the fruits in which glorify God is faith and in order to have that you got to know him you got to have a relationship with him amen And then once you know him, you can take part in his righteousness, which therefore allows you to be righteous. And then we can have fellowship with him. Ooh, well that's that's a wonderful thing. Fellowship with him. A real relationship that is fruitful. And that produces change and growth and honors Him. It has an influence once you've entered into it. It influences the way you live your life. It influences the decisions you make. It influences the way you think about things and people. And circumstances. Faith righteousness. But Oh we're so weak aren't we? You know. I talked a while ago about. Evaluating and count. I don't know about you. But every time I get to a new set of circumstances. I start. Trudging through them. All of a sudden pops up in me. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, did you not remember such and such and such and such last time? Or, we've already been through this once. <laughs> Do you get that? I get that. But faith righteousness and the things that that you experience through faith righteousness the influence that 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 faith in Jesus that real relationship and fellowship with him the influence that that has on the rest of your life then you can produce good works why? because the motive is correct it's not about you it's about him you're striving to glorify God. You're not striving to get any credit for yourself. And when when our focus is there, we can experience joy. But when we're a slave to all those things, over in in works righteousness state, we're miserable. Because we just need more and more and more and more and more. We're looking for that thing that will satisfy us and, and and we think it's things. Well, if I had that truck, or if I, had, if I had that house, I'd be so happy. I'm going to tell you something, brother. You ain't going to be happy unless you get saved. And then it's not an easy trip. But through the toughest circumstances, after you get saved, you can find joy. And those things now don't seem to satisfy or they don't seem to draw you to be what would satisfy you. Instead, you're drawn to Christ who you know is where you gain all your satisfaction and your joy. Your focus is different. Your perspective is different. When Paul met Christ, he realized how futile were his good works and how sinful were his claims of righteousness. There were losses and gains at his transformation. He lost his reputation. Think about it. He lost his status. You know, he was very esteemed with his people his peace in the world his peace of the world but he gained this knowledge of Christ this righteousness and this fellowship and that's what he's talking about here in the first part of Philippians it was all worth the loss He gained much more than he lost, just like you and I did. You've been saved. In fact, the gains were so thrilling to Paul, he considered all other things nothing but garbage. Do you have that attitude toward the things of this world? We really should. If we are truly at the place of right fellowship in our walk with Christ, the things of this world, it should, it should just turn your stomach, the things that are going on around us. It should just feel like a weight that's pulling you back. I don't know, but I told you last week when we were talking about people, it makes me want to just draw up in a corner and I don't want to deal with anything, you know. But we can't do that. I'm sure in the circumstances that Paul was in when he was writing this letter, he would have loved to tuck tail and run and just Been like, okay, I'll be quiet. I'll stay out of your way. But no. The call on his life wouldn't let him do that. And he understood and he knew that God had a purpose with his life. And part of that purpose was to be with people. And to influence people. And to motivate and lift up people to follow the call of God. And he found joy in all of that. When you read those, that story, you think, how in the world can he have joy? His circumstances were different than ours, but I'm, I'm going to ask you this morning. Don't you find joy in the walk that you're, you're walking as you draw nearer to Christ? Same thing applied to Paul. This world is rapidly declining. For lack of a better term. And it's going to get real uncomfortable at some point. Either for this bunch of Christians or those to come. I don't know which. Only God does. You see it must if you read the back of the book. So don't dread it. Because it's, it's going to happen whether you have the wrong attitude about it or not. But I don't know about you, but God has set us in a place in this time for a reason. And I'm excited about it. You say, how in the world can you get excited? I'm going to tell you something. Because of Jesus. Because I find my joy in Jesus. Because I understand that life is only in Jesus. And whether you're lost or you're saved, this life is going to end. Period. You don't get to make the choice to stay here forever. I don't know why you would. But He has set us in a place for this reason for some time. And it gives me joy. That's where I find my joy. I don't find my joy down at my workplace. I don't find my joy down at the grocery store. I don't find my joy down at the mud lot, down at the cow lot. Yeah, I enjoy those things, but I don't find my real joy there. I find my real joy in Jesus. I find my real joy in, in, in the grace and the mercies that He's shown me that are I can't even count. I find my real joy in knowing that Only by His grace did I get plucked out. Because I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it by any stretch of the imagination. That's where I find my joy. And as I walk closer and longer in my walk with Him, the more I hate these things down here. see that's how it works as you get closer and closer to God and that fellowship and in his righteousness you can't help but dislike more and more the things of this world you can't help but but have a longing for his return or his taking you home I'm just telling you I long to see Jesus say well I don't want to leave my family well your family needs to get right and you'll see them again one day just saying we all can say that that's where I find my joy I look forward to every Sunday coming here Somebody asked me, the, hey, do you ever take off to go to vacation?" I'm like, I, I haven't. I'm not saying I won't ever, but I mean, one time in the four or five years we've I've been here, I took a Sunday off. I don't want one off. I need to get up here every Sunday morning and make sure you're all okay. I mean, I, that's just, just the way it is. Last week there were several out. We went around the room. This week we we got Kim and Tommy out. So as we get done, we're gonna find out what's going. If they're okay, you're my family. God has put me here to 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 love you and shepherd you. Not browbeat you and and be ugly to you, but to lift you up. Now there may be a time that that we have to have a conversation. But thank the Lord it hadn't it hadn't happened yet. In doing that, He puts something inside of me that draws me to you every Sunday and Wednesday. Something that I can't put words to. And I get joy in that. Joy! In fact, it would be, it, let me tell you, when COVID, I don't know if y'all could tell it, but it was very uncomfortable sitting here talking to that thing. I, I wanted to see you. I'm not a hugger, but just being in your presence is fulfills some of that for me. I inherited that from Daddy, you know. But that's where we find our joy. Not in the things of this world. And when we have the right perspective of the things of this world, they're okay. As long as they don't take the place of God in our life. As long as they don't take the place of God in our life. And in that, we realize that he gives us those things and he takes those things away. Who said that? Job. I love Job. If I could only have the attitude of Job. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your examples in Scripture like Paul. We thank you for the letters that we can study and and dissect in order to look for the attitudes in which are an example to us. Lord, we pray that you would give us the right attitude and vision of the things that inhabit our life. Father, I lift up. Each and every one here, I plead the blood of Jesus over this church. The blood that cleanses and clears up any sin. Sickness. I plead it over this church. The blood that protects from Satan himself. I ask that you just pour it out over this church. Those that are here and who can't be here. Father, I ask that you would just do a work in each and every one of us. Let us evaluate, let us count, assess and evaluate our lives and our attitudes toward the things of this world. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen.